I am so excited to announce that the doors to Panic to Peace are opening on September 5th. This is my signature program where over the course of 10 weeks, I walk you through how to actually create a healthy relationship with anxiety, simply and practically. And this round is a little different from past ones because I'm offering two different options. You can either take the program live with me and also with others who are on a similar journey as you, or you can take it on your own in a self-paced version. So if this is the year you're determined to create a healthy relationship with anxiety and overcome the symptoms, the anxious thoughts, the panic attacks and fears, it's not too late. Head to the link in the show notes, get on my waiting list, and be the first to get access to the program and to get a really special discount. I hope to see you on the inside. Welcome to a Healthy Push Podcast. I'm Shannon Jackson, former anxiety sufferer turned adventure mom and anxiety recovery coach. I struggled with anxiety, panic disorder, and agoraphobia for 15 years. And now I help people to push past the stuff that I used to struggle with. Each week, I'll be sharing real and honest conversations along with actionable and practical steps that you can take to help you push past your anxious thoughts, the symptoms, panic, and fears. Welcome. You're right where you're meant to be. Okay, today is another one of those really exciting episodes. I know I say that a lot, but I have a former Panic to Peace student here with me, and I am just so excited for her to share her story and for you just to be able to hear so much about her journey and how much progress she's made and how she's gotten to where she is. So welcome, Andrea, to a Healthy Push podcast. Hi, Shannon. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I just want to start like as we always do. Tell us who the heck you are. Just a little bit about you. <laughs> it's okay. So I am 34 and I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm married and I have a two and a half year old daughter. And I also have a nine year old hound dog that's like the love of my life. I can't ever leave him out. Um, and I'm I work as a personal trainer part time. And then more full-time, I'm just doing mom duties all the time. <laughs> yeah, just, just mom duties, right? Yes, right. <laughs> it's like full-time times a thousand. Exactly, yep. So let's start – like I know your story is quite big, right? But yes. I, I want to hear all of it and I think it is going to be so helpful to so many. So let's just hear like what has your journey with anxiety looked like? Big question, okay. right? <laughs> yes, big question. It's been quite long to say the least. Okay, so yeah, getting started. I mean, as far back as I can remember, I had I struggled with anxiety. And growing up, I had a very good childhood. Um, I was, you know, never experienced anything very traumatic. I grew up in a great home, but my home was very much of a, you know, we don't share, we don't validate very painful emotions. And so Early on, I just never really understood how do I feel emotions and how do I get through these very painful emotions instead of just saying like, oh, you're fine, like turn it off, you're fine, get through it was kind of the message that I got throughout my life. And I don't, you know, I don't blame my parents for doing that because that's just something they learned as well. And I know that it's a very generational thing to, you'll see it in families, you know, of hiding emotions and we're perfect on the outside, but on the inside. You never know what's going on. And so that was kind of, I think, what started a lot of it was just not knowing how to accept and allow big emotions that were coming my way. 
Um, and so early on when I, I went to college my freshman year, I went to the University of Arizona. And so it was far away for the first time. Um, for those of you who don't know, Tucson is about two hours away from Phoenix. So it was, I was so excited to like, I'm going to get away and I'm going to have this big, great, beautiful life. And about a month in, I was like, wow, I miss my family. I miss home. I was very sad being gone. And that led to me developing a mild eating disorder. I struggled with anorexia. And um, to me, looking back on it, it was a big way to control things and to, okay, a lot of things are out of control right now, but this I can control. Also, a lot of fears that I had back then of being accepted and I have to be the prettiest, skinniest girl in college, you know, and it was just things that I look back on now that are so silly. And I'm very thankful that my family noticed this and immediately was, we need to get help before this gets bad. And thankfully, I went and saw a very great therapist for that. And that was my first real introduction into ERP therapy. Um, just a little example, I can remember eating pizza and having to tell her all the thoughts going through my head and how horrible it was. And it was a rough experience, but thankfully I overcame that quickly and I ended up moving home, moving back to, so I could go to Arizona States. Um, I started dating my now husband, so that may have had something to do with it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but Yeah, the rest of my 20s, my early to mid 20s, I had a great time after that experience. I just, that was some of the funnest times of my life that I look back on and anxiety really wasn't an issue. I also, um, funny fact about me, I went to graduate school and became a marriage and family therapist. And looking back on that situation, I mean, there were so many things that even now I think, how did I do that? Like that was crazy work that I did. During my internships, I would go into broken homes that were called from CPS and do in-home therapy. And it was just very extreme, you know, Uh, but I made it and I did it. And so, yeah, after graduating um, as a marriage and family therapist, I started working at a government agency where I worked a lot with high needs teenagers so they they loved the fact that I was younger and I had a great connection with teenage girls. Uh, the only <laughs> unfortunate part about that was that they were very, very difficult and very sad cases. Um, a lot of them had, you know, suicidal ideation, cutting, eating disorders. I mean, you name it. I saw it. I had to go to jail a few times to see some of my clients. It was a very difficult job. And... The anxiety I felt then was more of on the lines of I would come home every night and worry about them. And mm. I mean, I could, I could cry thinking about some of them still because I wonder where they are, but it impacted me so much to a point that I had to quit because it was just too hard on me. And um, I think, as you know, Shannon, people with anxiety are some of the most compassionate and kind people. And we don't disconnect well (laughs) when we have to hear other stories. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it was just a very hard job. So I transitioned into um, a couples therapist, which was like a complete 180. And that leads me to my very first panic attack experience. (laughs) So yes. So it's funny. I 
honestly, I had never had a panic attack before this day. And I was always very confident. And um, being so young, it was always a little intimidating having people come in that were married and they've been married 20 years and they look at me and they're like, what do you know? (laughs) Right, right. We've been married for longer than you've been alive. (laughs) Exactly. And it was always intimidating, but I was confident like, all right, whatever, like let it go. Right. So you remember this day so vividly, but this older couple came in and they're kind of just staring at me and I was like, oh man, here we go. Here's another one of those. And I started doing my spiel and all of a sudden my, I just went blank. Like my heart started racing. I remember my hands were tingly and sweaty and I couldn't get one word out of my mouth. And I was just like in my head, like, oh my God, what is going on? And I remember just saying like, I'm so sorry, I need a minute. And I got up and I ran to my coworker's room and I was like, I don't know what's happening to me. Like what is going on? And she was like, just take a breather. You're fine. Like you'll got this. And I was like, all right, like I'm going to go back in. Went back in, finished the session. Midway through, it happened again. But this time, I was just like, I have to sit through this. Like, I'm just going to shake my head and get through this. And so after that happened, I was just so baffled by what in the hell just happened. And looking back now, it was really – it was right after I got married. I had, you know, like I think that day maybe not eaten as I normally had and – who knows, it could have been some big blood sugar drop, but my brain interpreted it as this is dangerous. This is scary. This can never, ever happen again. And I was just so like, oh my God, I can't believe I had a panic attack. What is wrong with you? So (laughs) after that, yeah, like first it, I kind of forgot about it. And then the next, um, session I had, it started happening again. I was like, oh my God, like what is wrong with me? And so that's really when the fear kicked in of, I'm scared of this. Am I going to lose control? Am I going to embarrass myself? These people are coming Mm. here for me to help them. And I look like an idiot, like, oh my gosh, Mm. you know? So it, it, you know, snowballed into every time I was about to go into a session, I would be freaking out. I canceled some of them. I would avoid, go home. I asked my supervisor not to give me any more clients. I mean, this mm-hmm. went on for probably six months until I came to a point where I was like, I can't do this job anymore. It's too hard on me. I don't want to do this. And it's looking back is obviously it's all there was a lot of avoidance going on. And I think at the same time, I didn't enjoy the job as much as I thought I would. So it was kind of an easy out. It was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to go do something else because I can't do this anymore. So, you know, fast forward a few months, I was like, what am I going to do with my life? I mean, I spent this amount of money getting a degree and now I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm newly married. So I've always been very, very big into fitness and health and always been an athlete growing up. And um, I love lifting weights. And so I'm like, I'm going to be a personal trainer because I can train people and I can kind of be a therapist at the same time. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Right? And I can be more friendly with them, which is great. We can actually be friends. Um, So I'm going to do that. And so – I just got my um, got my little certification, and lo and behold, my some old family friends had opened a gym just a few miles down the road, and I went in and 
talked to the owner and he was like, yeah, come try it out. Let's see how you do. And so I started my own business, um, seeing personal like clients there and grew it. And I mean, it's funny now thinking that that panic attack was probably one of the best moments of my life because it brought me to my job now that I'm so in love with and so thankful for. <laughs> it's almost like it happened for a reason, right? Yeah. Um, but I just met like I consider all my coworkers, they're my family now. And I just, I have such an amazing job. So anyways, like, so that happened in about 2016 and I was good. Like all the panicky kind of things just lifted off of me. And I was like, mm. okay, I'm, I'm good. Like it's gone, you know? Yeah. And, and so it's just funny how it just disappeared. And I was like, okay, that was the right move. I'll never have to deal with that again. <laughs> uh. Well, yeah, not so much. So come 2018, end of 2018, um, and I'm sorry if this is hard for anyone to hear, but I did have a family member that um, died from suicide. And it was just a very, very triggering thing for me to go through because I had also had a couple clients when I was practicing therapy that also died by suicide. And it was so difficult to not think what could I have done differently or, you know, you just kind of start thinking those things. And so that put me into a really weird headspace. Um, and then this is where my OCD really just decided to shine through. So after this happened, I remember laying in bed one night and just trying to go to sleep and thinking about her and what happened. And a thought popped into my head of, well, what if I did that? What if I became so depressed one day that I decided to do that? And it scared the shit out of me. Like I remember just, <gasps> and the whoosh came and I was like, oh my God, because I'm, I've never thought like that. I've always very much enjoyed my life. And to, to, for somebody that's trained as a therapist to hear any suicidal ideation thought is like red flag danger. Like you're everything's going off in your brain, right? Yeah. So I remember my my husband wasn't in bed yet and I ran over to him and I was like, I'm having weird thoughts. Like, what if this happened to me? Oh my gosh. And he was like, it's all right. Like you're, it's just, you know, you're trying to deal with this, just brush it off, try to go to sleep. I'm like, okay. So, you know, the, thus starts my reassurance kind of journey of you would never do mm -hmm. that, Andrea. Come on. You would never do that. And so the next morning waking up, it was still there, this constant, it just, what if you did that? And what if, what if, what if? And then the movie started playing in my head of, well, what if I got depressed? Or what if I went crazy? What if I lost control? Mm -hmm. All those stereotypical yeah, anxiety, what ifs, yeah. oh, intrusive thoughts to the max. Okay. So yeah. So after that night that I talked to my husband, um, after having those really scary intrusive thoughts, the next morning I woke up and I was still having them and it was still constant what ifs. And to me, it was just very confusing because I've always loved my life. I've never thought about something like that. Um, and my own personal views of that is, you know, I just, that's just something I would never do. And so for me to have those thoughts was so against my values that it was so scary to me. Um, and so this kind of started my journey with what later I'd find out to be OCD. 
And it was just these constant intrusive thoughts. What if I lose control? What if one day I get so depressed that I decide to do that? And after those thoughts come, it was that, you know, you get that whoosh, that anxiety. And once you have that feeling, it's like, oh my gosh, I need to do something about this. Like this feels real. I can't, I can't handle this. And so it was just constant reassurance seeking. I would ask my husband, do you think I would ever do that? Do you ever think about this? Um, Mm -hmm. My mom, it was really only my husband and my mom at that time because I was really also embarrassed about these thoughts and didn't want anyone to know that I was experiencing this because what if I told someone and they thought I was crazy or what if I told someone and they were like, oh my gosh, you should go to a hospital, you know, like those kind of things that were just so scary in my brain. So the reassurance seeking, um, ruminating, my gosh, like it was all day long being stuck in these thoughts and then me just arguing with them. Like, no, I would never do that. So again, Mm -hmm. the, the reassurance seeking of myself as well, you know, and so just constantly ruminating, Um, Another thing I really fell into, and I am a religious person. I'm not a huge, huge, huge religious person, but praying constantly and promising God or higher power, you know, like, I will never do that. I promise, like, please take these thoughts away from me. And so just no acceptance of these thoughts whatsoever and labeling, this is bad. I need to get rid of this immediately. Like, what's going on? And doing those things just led it to be so bad. Like I, I couldn't be alone. Um, we have guns in our house. Those all had to be locked away. Cooking with knives was kind of a big deal. Even I remember cleaning and having intrusive thoughts about like drinking bleach. And I was like, what the heck? Oh my gosh. You know? And, and along with thoughts, I also got a lot of images and movies and those are to me, they're like 20 times scarier than thoughts. And so I just really had no idea what was going on. And like any human, I tried to deal with it the best that I could and try to get rid of it because I didn't want it. And I didn't want this to happen. So this- I I don't want to interrupt you, Andrew, but I just have to say, I am so like proud of you for sharing these thoughts because I think (laughs) Uh even now, right, these are thoughts that even if you've been through it, a lot of people still- carry a lot of shame and they don't want to share things like this because it is kind of taboo, right? And these thoughts can be scary. And like you said, you know, these thoughts are kind of the opposite of my values, the opposite of who I am, the opposite of the things I'd ever do. And that's really like the epitome of intrusive thoughts. They are like so the opposite of who you are, anything that you do. But that pull to like I have to prove it. Like I have to prove it to myself and I have to prove it to my Uh brain that like I would never do these things. What what a spiral, right? Like the thoughts are sometimes so much harder. Yeah. So much harder. And then I remember you saying this is just like your brain will then come up with the next what if. So once you figure out the answer supposedly, oh, here comes another one, you know, and you're like, oh my God, this one's even worse. What am I going to do now? you know, and it's just constant and so, so scary because like you said, it's like, I never would do that. Why am I having these thoughts? You know, so scary. And I mean, I could go on for hours about my thoughts and if you've thought it, I have too. I just, I guarantee it. Yep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, um, 
anyways, so yeah, the, so then end of like September, I think it was September, 2019, I finally, and so this has been going on for months, you know, and impacting my life, work, everything. I just, it was horrible. Um, I finally got the courage to Google these thoughts because I was like, all right, let's just see what happens. And I think I put in like, what if I'm thinking of harming myself, but I don't want to, (laughs) And Mm. this kind of weird and OCD pops up and I'm like, okay, reading about OCD and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is me. This is exactly me. And coming from my background of psychology and therapy, I had no idea, which is so crazy to think about that. My, I mean, my perspective was OCD is about contamination and it's about symmetry and, you know, all these silly things. And I had no idea that harm could be a theme of OCD and that it was essentially, they call it Puro. Um, but yeah, so I worked up the courage to make an appointment to go see um, an anxiety and OCD specialist. And I went and saw her and sure enough, she diagnosed me with OCD um, with a harm theme. And then she also diagnosed me with panic disorder, kind of just my background with panic. Um, so we got going in exposure and response prevention therapy, which as most of you probably know, is difficult. It's terrifying. It's going up against these things that you fear the absolute most while your body is also responding. And it's just very difficult. So, um, yeah, I did it. I I think the biggest thing in ERP therapy is just trusting, you know, the professional or your coach or whoever it is that is telling you, like, I promise that this is going to work. You have to do this work. You have to face it. The only thing you can do at that point is trust them because you have, it's like that blind leap of faith that I know you talk about, Shannon. Um, So I trusted her. We did a lot of work. And by probably March of 2020, I was doing pretty well. Um, Again, it wasn't, you know, like all my thoughts went away. No way, you know, but it was I was responding well. And I learned that the compulsions I was doing, like the reassurance seeking, the ruminating, the praying, that just led to more thoughts and more anxiety. So had to stop doing that, which... I tried my best, we'll say. Um, But yeah, so March 2020, doing pretty good. Back to being able to be on my own without, you know, panicking essentially. Um, Working well again to where I could be at work and I wasn't thinking about this 24-7. So, and then the pandemic happened, of course, which the pandemic was really good for me because it forced me to be alone a lot, (laughs) which is Mm. funny to say, but my husband was actually one of the ones that could still go to work. So it forced me to be alone a lot. And it was good for me, um, a sense of what my goals were with ERP. And then in April of 20, I got pregnant. And I think just with, it's funny, like I know a lot of people talk about hormones and how that can really be um, a cause with anxiety and those things, but whatever good hormones I got, it's, you know, <laughs> along with the ERP, the anxiety kind of went away. I definitely remember still having moments and days that it was tough, but I was doing so much better. So by the end of 2020, I had my daughter in December of 20. Um, 
after having her, like the postpartum period is always tough because you're not sleeping. You know, there's just all these new like transitions and changes that you're going through. Becoming a mom is just an unbelievable change that no one could ever prepare you for. But again, I was doing pretty well, even though I was going through all of that. Um, I'm very happy that I had the education I had in terms of intrusive thoughts because those definitely came after having my baby. And again, I know something else a lot of moms don't talk about, but every single one of my friends that I have asked is like, oh, I've had that thought before. You know, like, mm-hmm. what if I hurt my baby? What if my baby you know, stop breathing in the middle of the night. What if, I mean, gosh, again, like you, like, what if I push the stroller in front of a car? Like just the silly things that came up. And I was so fortunate to be able to recognize like, this is an intrusive thought. I can let this go. I know it's causing me anxiety because it's opposite of my values. Like let it go. Right. So I did pretty well with that. Again, like some days I got really stuck and I went back to my compulsions, but as soon as I recognized what I was doing and I could get back on track, it helped a lot. So after I had my daughter, like 2020, 2021 was great. I like 20, beginning of 22 was so great. And I, in my head was, I'm over this, like by anxiety, I'm never going to have to deal with you again. Like I am on top of my game. I'm working, I'm being a mom. Like I just really, again, my life is great. I'm loving it right now. Um, (laughs) And then comes the major setback, right, that I know everybody likes to talk about. So let's see. July of 22, I unfortunately developed um, a heart condition called pericarditis. And not to scare anyone, but fortunately, it's very benign, but it's an inflammation of your pericardium, which is just the sac that your heart sits in. And Um, honestly, the doctors were like, it could have been from a viral infection, a stomach bug, you know, anything really. And being around a toddler 24 seven, you're always sick. So (laughs) they were just like, the stars aligned. And unfortunately this is what happened. And just to add in a quick note, like I was getting a lot of, um, like just pain in my heart. And I just want to reiterate, Shannon, I know you always say this when you know it's something medical, you will know. When it's a panic Mm -hmm. attack, you will know. Because that night that I had to go to the ER because of what was going on, I specifically remember my husband being like, are you 100% sure this is not a panic attack? And I was like, I am 100%. This is not right. Something's wrong. I got to go. He was like, all right, let's go. And sure enough, there was something wrong. And so again, trusting, (laughs) kind of sidetrack a little bit, but what do you know? I was able to tell the difference, right? So yeah. even though anxiety I know, we, says you never will. <laughs> right, right. It, it's exactly right. And, you know, we talk about a lot, even in the program, it's like, you know, you know what anxiety sounds like. It's loud. Mm-hmm. It says the same stuff. Like, and it's just so funny that when something does happen, you're like, nope, sort of a piece of your intuition kicks in too. And you're like, no, absolutely. Yes. So it's, <laughs> Ah, good to know. Good side note, right? But um, anyways, so because of the inflammation that was going on in my heart, the only thing um, to make it better was to stop exercising. You have to keep your heart rate down. 
You take a lot of ibuprofen, which no one would think would be healthy, but I guess it's okay. <laughs> and then some other medications. Trust the doctors, right? So um, unfortunately for me, that meant no exercise. And exercise to me is just, it is my way of coping with a lot of my feelings when I have a lot of anxiety, it's such a good way to release that extra energy that you have. Like I've gotten some of the best workouts when I'm really anxious because you get all that good energy, you know? And so that was just, it was so hard for me. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, and having my brain have so much time to think is not a good thing for me. Um, so I developed the pericarditis couldn't exercise. So, you know, I was spending my days, like when I'm having alone time, the rumination started again, but now it's about the health anxiety. When will this go away? Oh my gosh, I'm going to be like this forever. I'm never going to be able to work out again. Like all the what ifs about that, right? So the anxiety is cranking up about that. Um, also the fact that I can't get my heart rate up, the fears of panic kind of came back in because, what if I were to panic and my heart rate skyrockets, you know, to 140, 150, it makes my heart worse. Like just, you know, every, every what if you could imagine can come in. And so then, so that was in July, um, August, I just had some like bad family conflict that was going on that was super stressful. And so just a lot of things that started piling up for me. And then in October, um, my birthday is the end of October. We went out and had some fun, probably had too many drinks. And um, that morning I woke up afterwards and I probably only slept like two hours, you know, and and we don't do this anymore. <laughs> like, after having a kid, you don't do that anymore. Imagine that. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I'm, my body's like, what in the hell are you doing to me? And I wake up and my heart is just pounding. And I'm like, my initial reaction was pretty calm. I was like, okay, like this is, this is interesting. And I a hundred percent regret what I did next, but I grabbed my Apple watch and I threw it on. And I'm like, what's my heart rate at? Well, it's up. It's really up. And I was like, oh my God, what's going on? I'm like, I'm going to get out of bed and just go watch TV and see if I can get it to come back down. And it does, but, and it, but then the what ifs kind of creep back in, you know, like, wow, you just had a panic attack. What if this comes back? What if you keep getting them at night? And instantly I'm back to that reassurance. And I just, it's almost like, you know, because it wasn't my normal theme, we'll say of the OCD, it's something new and scary that my brain's like, oh God, I got to get rid of this. I have to pay attention to this. Instead of doing what I learned was treat everything the same. It's anxiety, you know, yeah. but <laughs> no, in that instance, I was scared and I have to get rid of this. And that, that just led to my downfall. So after that night going to sleep every night, I have those what ifs again of what if I panic in the middle of the night? What if like I have to go to the hospital in the middle of the night. What if I have to wake up my husband? That's so embarrassing. I thought I was over this, you know, just getting mm -hmm. stuck in that rumination again too. And it was crazy. Like when I would like, I was like, well, I have to sleep. Right. So I'd be falling asleep and my body would jolt me awake. And it would be that jolt, that whoosh of just that rush of that anxiety. And it was scary. And I was like, oh my gosh, like even my body doesn't want me to sleep. It's scared. So that was, again, like, and then not sleeping, just the, um, 
the tiredness leads to just so much more anxiety for me and maybe not for other people, but at least for me, not sleeping is a huge trigger. Um, and I just got really stuck back into that panic disorder cycle of I'm panicking. I don't want this. I'm not accepting. I'm reassuring. I'm Googling. I'm, you know, like talking All about All the things it that we know not to do. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> of course it's going to get worse, right? And at this point, I hadn't seen my therapist in probably a month. And I went in and she was just like, Andrea, oh my gosh, like you don't look good because it was, it had taken, and for me, when I get the panic and the stress, I like, I will lose weight like fast because I don't want to eat. I like, I'm so stressed out. It's like in that constant fight flight mode, like your body just, you don't look good. And so she immediately, like, I remember the first thing I told her was like, I don't want a panic attack. I don't want to do this again. I don't want to have panic attacks. And she immediately said, no, you want to have a panic attack. Mm-hmm. You want to feel these things. You want to have these thoughts. And so she really drilled me on switch it back. Like we need this acceptance attitude to come back. And I mean, I tried and with the panic coming so frequently and every day waking up, feeling what I was feeling, it was just so hard. And I just lost myself again, unfortunately. And this time it was to the panic disorder, you know, and it's, it's funny, like when the OCD thoughts would come, I didn't even care. It was like, nope, I don't care. I'm like, panic is number one now. And it's crazy to me how themes can switch. So it's like, oh my gosh. And like, that doesn't even, like, I'll never do that. Are you kidding? But oh my God, if I panic, my life's over, you yeah. know? So that was where my focus was. And by like the end of 22, um, I was just a wreck. I, my husband had to go out of town once for work and I don't think I slept for like two days and I was just so scared. And I also have a lot of pride. So I was like, I'm not taking this medication that my doctor gave me. And, you know, just anyways, got so lost into this panic. And so the end of 22, I found you. (laughs) I found you on Instagram, which... (laughs) Probably shouldn't have been scrolling as much as I was trying to find all the answers, you know, but hey, a silver lining, I guess. Is right. That, yeah. I found one of your posts and it was one of the ones on you talking to your brain like during a panic attack. And I was like, oh my gosh, she gets it. Like, because I do feel like when you have this anxiety and panic, it's like there's a separate person in your brain talking to you. And I'm always like, am I crazy? Like, I feel like I have this other voice that's just screaming at me, like, get out. What are you doing? We can't do this. Like, you're gonna, you're gonna die. You're gonna faint. You're gonna like everything possible. And so to see you talking to your brain voice, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm not crazy. Like, this (laughs) happens to other people too. And I should have known that already, obviously, with my um, past with OCD, but that just made me feel so much better knowing, okay, there's other people out there that are experiencing this. So so that's what led me to you. (laughs) I am so glad. It's so funny how many people say that's how I found you or that's how I first like came across your Instagram was the the me versus brain reels. And Mm -hmm. I really started doing them because I was like, I know how it feels to feel like 
nobody is struggling with this. Nobody has these thoughts. Nobody has these feelings. Nobody has these like insane worries and fears. And I was like, how can I show people, right? Because you can tell people all day long, you're not alone. And even if you've experienced it before, you have like familiarity, but to be able to see it of like, oh, shit, I am actually not alone. And somebody does have, you know, because anxiety is tells all the similar stories. Like, you know, when people will say, Shannon, I have the same exact thoughts. I have the same exact feelings, the fears. And I'm like, yeah, because anxiety is not very creative. Like, No, it's not. It's all the same stuff. (laughs) I am so glad that you came across me in that way. That's so cool. Yes, right. Same thoughts, different scenarios, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so after finding you and looking at your classes, I was like, I'm going to do Panic to Peace. Uh, mainly like one of my biggest reasons was to have that community too of just like we were just saying, you know, having people that understand what you're going through and so that you don't feel like you're so alone in this. Um, Because for me, like I would say like anxiety runs in my family, but not to a point that I have it. At least no one has shared that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then my husband is like the complete opposite, doesn't care. Like he – I love his story. He always tells me like he had a panic attack in a business meeting once and he's like, oh, I just sat down and then it was fine. And he's like, and then when I was walking out, I was like, oh, that was weird. And then never happened again. I'm like, seriously, like, how do I, can I get your brain, please? Like, how? (laughs) How do you You not care? Right. not care? So um, I know it's difficult for him to to completely understand. He's so supportive, but again, just to have people who have been through it and completely understand, that was huge for me. I had also done group therapy back when I was doing ERP work with OCD and that was so helpful. So I started your panic to peace class and, you know, initially, and um, I think that this is one of the hardest parts about recovery is that things don't get better initially. Things usually get worse. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because you're trying to feel and you're trying to leave things alone and accept and your brain doesn't like that. It's like, well, wait a second, what are we doing here? Like, no, we need to get rid of this. This isn't okay, you know? So starting out for me in your class was really hard in the sense of when you're teaching, you know, leave the thoughts alone, leave the feelings alone. Like, I remember you saying, trust your body. Like, it's going to do what it needs to do and then go back to normal. And I was just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, right. This is, this, is, this is not even possible. This lady's crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, holy cow. And again, it's nothing I've never heard before. Like, I heard this back with my ERP. But like you said, the anxiety can be so convincing in new contexts that it's like, oh my God, you know, this is new. This is scarier. This is, that's just how it works. And so at the beginning, first getting through this recovery and working with your Panic to Peace program, it was really hard. And, you know, one of the, again, frustrating things with recovery is like you have a good couple days and then you maybe have some speed bumps. So you go backwards and you're like, oh, I thought I was making progress and now I'm backwards again. This is so annoying. Um, but yeah, and I think after after we went through your um, lesson on intrusive thoughts and how to 
like deal with rumination and those things. That's what, that was a big changing point for me because again, it was reiterating like you have to not answer your thoughts. You have to leave them alone. You have to say, I don't know who cares. Like they're all imagined what ifs they're not present right now. So you have to leave them alone. And so practicing that was huge for me. I finally was like, I'm going to do this. Um, I'm going to use the, you know, they call them um, diffusion techniques or disengagement, response prevention, whatever you want to call it. You know, I started really working on that. Um, And I was also going to therapy along with your, when we were working together and she was, again, because I was like, I want to do exposures. I want to do exposures. And she's like, no, we're not doing them until you disengage from your thoughts. Because Mm -hmm. if you go do an exposure and you're just doing all your compulsions or safety behaviors, it doesn't like, it's not going to do anything. Yeah. And I was, remember being mad at her. Like, are you kidding? You're not going to let me like, she's like, no, I want to know. And again, from you too, that you aren't responding to these thoughts. So that was the big first change I had to make was don't respond to your thoughts. Don't respond to your feelings. Let them be there. And it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's yeah. really hard. <laughs> yeah. And I know for you, cause I think that this will, this will be really relatable. I know for you, a lot of it you had a lot of what if thoughts and, and mm-hmm. you know, panicky feelings surrounding bringing your daughter places and doing things yes. with her. And I mm-hmm. think that is something, especially if you're a mom, um, but even if you're not a mom, it's, it's pretty relatable. But like, can you share where these thoughts really popped up and like where it made it Absolutely. hard for you to do the things that you wanted to do? Yes. So once it's funny, again, once I kind of got over my nocturnal panic and the sleep, it switched themes. What do you know? You know, and it kind of went to, it always goes to the things you care about most and the things you love the most. And I love my daughter, obviously. I love going, we go to swim class and gymnastics and just all these things that we do together. But now the anxiety was like, what if I panic at swim? What if you panic in front of all these moms? What if you panic and you can't take care of her was a big one. Um, Like what if you panic and you just can't cope? And then my thoughts would drag me all the way to you'll be in a mental hospital. You're going to lose custody of her. Your husband's going to divorce. I mean, yeah, (laughs) you know, it just, it was going there. So yes. So for me going places with her, even driving in the car with her was really difficult because I thought like, if I panic, I'm doomed. Like if I panic in these places, everything's going to go to shit pretty much. So the biggest one was what if I panic at swim? And it's funny if you've ever been to a toddler swim class, like you're, unfortunately moms have to go in the pool too. So (laughs) you go in the pool, you're kind of locked in this pool, you know, and there's a big glass window. So all the other kids' parents are sitting on the other side of this window and it's like, uh, something happened. It'd be so embarrassing. And I would just freak out. Like, and this is again, freaking out in my mind. So like I didn't really outwardly be freaking out. It was all the what ifs and driving a swim class, like my heart rate would be going crazy. I would get really like tingly and just my brain was shouting at me, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, turn around, we can't do this. And 
each time was just hard, but because I love my daughter so much, I'm like, I'm doing this. Like you're not taking this away from me. And so I pretty much white knuckled through the swim classes and the gymnastics and it was really hard. And so that was, I would say the first thing that I worked on in regards to the recovery piece. And cause it was so important to me to be able to enjoy going back to that again and enjoy just being alone with her. And so, um, yeah, the first, my first go about with the, I don't know who cares, you know, going to swim class and, um, my therapist was like, can we do this exposure? I don't want you to call anyone because I like to call people in the car to distract me when I'm having driving anxiety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so get rid of those feelings, right? So she's like, I don't want you to call anyone. And she made me write out a script of um, my worst case scenario happening. And I had to read the script when I pulled up to class. And I just remember that first time getting out of the car, I was shaking, my legs were jelly, but something inside me that my therapist has always told me to do came out and I finally was like, you know what? Bring it on. Like I'm done with this shit. Bring it on. Give me that panic attack. Like 